inch by inch, row by row. Well, folks, welcome to another episode, exciting episode of Growing a Greener Keen Eye with me, your host, Larry Opperman. I'm happy to be here on this always fantastic Central Peninsula Day. Uh, we're still a little ways out from uh, the gardening time of the year for us, but I'll tell you what, we have hit the hump and it's all down here from here, folks. Uh, we're we're going to be ready to go here pretty soon, uh, sooner than you think. So we're happy about we're happy about that. We're always ready to see that daylight coming back, because it just gets us fired up to start gardening again, gardening again, and uh, and get our hands in the dirt. Uh, well, you heard the weather forecast a little bit ago. Uh, right now it's about 11 in um, in Soldatna. Uh, we got maybe some snow coming, but um, for, except for that little bit of that little bit of uh, of cold weather and sub uh, zero weather, uh, it it hasn't really been too bad this year. We've had uh, some snow, which is good because the snow helps insulate the ground. And if you mulch some of your perennials, then that that's going to do is is help. It's just going to help those plants. So anyway, we're uh, we're moving right along. Uh, with this season and uh, a few announcements I wanted to make here real quick I'm going to make and I'll remind everybody this but on Monday uh, day after tomorrow uh, myself and my friend David Regal who you folks know he's been on the show with me a couple of times uh, David and I are going to be at Mel's Coffee Shop on Monday at about 9 a.m., and anybody wants to come down and maybe talk gardening with us and have a cup of coffee, we'd love to have you down there. David is also the vice president of the Central Peninsula Garden Club. But uh, most folks, I, I think you know where Mel's is. It's right there in the Copper Center. Uh, that first building from the quick shop there, uh, you know, uh, the Orca Theater is right there in that in that whole complex, but it's... it's uh, it, Points uh, points at the road. It points at K Beach Road. But yeah, at nine o'clock, David and I will be there. And if you want to come down, have a cup of coffee with us, and talk a little gardening, maybe what your plans are for this year, we would love to love to have you come down and uh, and and talk to us and be a be a be a part of us uh, talking with us on on Monday morning, Monday at nine o'clock at Mel's. All right, uh, another announcement I want to make is upcoming uh, February fourteenth through eighteenth is the Northwest Flower and Garden Show, Garden Festival. It's the second largest g garden in the U.S., second largest <laughs> flower and garden festival in the U.S., just behind the Philadelphia show. And I'll tell you what, Marty and I have been to it, I think, three, maybe four times, and it is absolutely worth the trip. Uh, if you want to get some information about that, their website is just gardenshow.com. And there's hotel deals. You can you can stay at a hotel and walk a couple blocks to Seattle Convention Center, or stay right next door, uh, where you don't have to walk but uh, around the corner. Uh, it's it's absolutely a wonderful wonderful show. We're not going to get down there this year, but we have every plan on going back next year, and um, it's it's just well worth the trip to get down there to the Northwest Flower and Garden Show. It, it, if you've never been to it before, you know, you, you, 
you go in there and it and it's like some country rube who's never been to the big city you're walking around with your mouth hanging open and your eyes wide going wow it's just so hard to believe and it's and it's like that every year it's just a such a worthwhile festival to go to and uh, let's see then the next thing i want to remind folks about is on january 20th uh, the Garden Club, Central Peninsula Garden Club, will be having their next monthly program at Kenai Peninsula College, 1 p.m. in the afternoon. That's a Saturday. And we have a wonderful speaker this time, and we all should know him by now. Uh, Casey Matney from our local UAF Extension Service office there on uh, on K Beach. Uh, they have a lot, of, uh, a lot of information for all of us gardeners, but Casey will be talking to us. And he'll be talking about chickens in the garden. You know what? What uh, if you grow? If you have chickens, or you know friends with getting chicken manure and uh, and all that good stuff, he's going to be talking about that and what it can do for your garden. That's another. Uh, Casey's just a wonderful teacher and a wonderful speaker. He is. Uh, he's knowledgeable. And uh, the quote overused cliche that I have said for for many years. Uh, Casey has forgotten more than I will ever know. Like a couple of our other gardeners around here. But Casey is such a wonderful speaker, and we always. And he's funny too. And uh, we always have a good time when Casey's there. So January twentieth, one o'clock, Kenai Peninsula College. Uh, the door to get in is uh, the door that's right by the two big steel moose sculptures the big metal moose sculptures it's right at that door so uh, and there'll be a sign out there to get in so come on down we have some door prizes and uh, usually something to drink and some cookies and some snacks so then coming up and i'll talk about this later too uh on march 23rd and 24th the alaska botanical garden spring garden conference will be going on at the Denina Civic and Convention Center in Anchorage. So if you're interested in that, uh, uh, check, check out the Alaska Botanical Garden website and do that. And one of the neat things that's coming up too, which I'm sure hoping to get to take part of, is our friends down in Homer if, with the Homer uh, Soil and Water Conservation District has some really pretty good training coming up. And all the training is actually held at the, the Kenai Peninsula College Kachemak Bay campus in Homer. But they also are offering that for free online via Zoom. So if you want to take some of these classes with them, uh, go to homerswcd.org and you can get that schedule and you can go to this training. For instance, uh, uh, the, the training's from 6 to 7 in the evening. So, for instance, here this month in January, today's January 6th, but their first training is January 11th, coming up here in, in just five days, and it's on high tunnels. It's called High Tunnels 101. Then on January 25th, they've got Low Tunnels 101. So you can get that schedule. They've got uh, crop rotation for successful harvests in February, drip irrigation in March, uh, and April 11th is Garden Soils 101, you know, so there's some really great training that's free. And like I said, if you don't want to drive all the way down to, to Homer, especially if the roads are bad, you've got a free invite via Zoom, Homer Soil and Water Conservation District dot org, H-O-M-E-R-S-W-C-D dot O-R-G. So uh, I certainly I certainly plan to do a take a couple of their their classes and uh what what better way to 
to learn more is uh, especially with free training that's what's that's what's really neat okay well what did we want to talk about today as we all know uh What's the word I want to uh, use? Uh, uh, excitement, anticipation of getting our gardens going again this year. And what's one of the things that gets us all really fired up for this time of year? And that's getting your seed catalogs in the mail. Uh, you can get most of them online and download them. But I'll tell you what, I love getting a seed catalog in the mail. You know, you go out, you go to the mailbox and you look at your mail and it's like a bill, a bill, a junk mail. And then there's a seed catalog there and you just light up to see that seed catalog. And there's so many of them out there and everyone has their their favorite, pretty much their favorite company they like to, to order seeds from. And there's so many out there. I mean... You know, we've got we got Johnny's, uh, Baker Creek, Burpee, High Mowing, Park Seed. Uh, you know, there's just so many of them out there. And I don't know if any of you folks have ever done this, but, you know, Baker Creek, they're out of uh, Mansfield, Missouri. And they deal primarily in heirloom seeds. And one of the things they do is I got, I got my uh, catalog from them in the mail the other day. Well, a couple weeks ago, actually. And... They also have, and that's their free catalog, they also have what's called the Whole Seed Catalog, and they charge for them, it's about $10, but I'll tell you what, it's like having the best seed encyclopedia on the shelf that you could ever get. they got pictures, they've got, it's just a wonderful catalog, and to me it's worth the $10 to get that Whole Seed Catalog, um, and I've got mine ordered, I just haven't got it yet. Uh, and I, I did kind of uh, procrastinated a little bit on on getting that ordered, but one of the things I want to talk about when we're talking about ordering seeds, uh, oh, and before I get going on that, one of the one of the things I almost forgot, one of the things that I think, uh, folks, I've mentioned this all the time. There's a a book you can get called Gardening from Seed in Arctic and Subarctic Regions Areas. It's by a guy named Red Zappel. He's a horticulturist, and he has passed away. He was working for the uh, University of Alaska Fairbanks. And you can order this from a company called Best Cool Seeds. Yeah, Best Cool Seeds, B-E-S-T-C-O-O-L-S-E-E-D-S.com. And this is the old Denali Seed Company. And you can order this book through them, and it is, uh, I just think it's a wonderful book. They're, the seeds they sell, they guarantee them to grow. There's everything in here on dealing with with setting up a garden on cold soils. They tell you about uh, best pots, pl how to plant the seeds, uh, hoop houses, plant bags, a little bit of everything. And the advantages of growing through plastic mulch, maybe the disadvantages. There's all sorts of information in this this book and it's just the size of a piece of regular eight and a half by 11 paper that somebody they print out a bunch of copies and staple it together as more like a little hand manual but i love this i love this book they talk about perennials and annuals and the vegetables that grow well up here and this is all from from real field studies and work that had been done over the years in alaska and those are the seeds they sell they sell seeds that that are known to grow in cool climates now some seeds you know you've heard me say before 
for instance, that, you know, a, a, a French rad, breakfast radish seed is a French breakfast radish seed, whether you grow it in Alaska or Florida or Maine or Great Britain or wherever. It is a French breakfast radish seed. But some of the other seeds uh, that tend to do better in a certain area, they, they, they have studied these. And, you know, uh, is broccoli broccoli? Broccoli is pretty much broccoli. But certain strains of broccoli might grow better in a location. Well, that's what this book does from Gardening from Seed in Arctic and Subarctic Areas. That's what this book does. It tells you the, the tried and true tested varieties that grow in Alaska. Now, the, the copyright on this is 2015. So we're talking about eight years old. And uh, I thought about writing them a letter to say, are there any updates to this uh, manual that anybody has done just to, just to see. So anyway, that's another one. And another place that actually, uh, that, that it's a good place to buy seeds, I think, and all these places are good, uh, but I like Best Cool Seeds, and I like another place called M.I. Gardener. Uh, a guy named Luke Marion started this thing many years ago, and he's got a YouTube page too, but they're up in Michigan. And... He believes in not charging an arm and a leg for seeds. Uh, I think, you know, $2 a pack with free shipping to Alaska, that's pretty hard to beat. But it doesn't matter. It's what you like. It, it doesn't matter if you like Johnny's or Park or Baker Creek or any of the other ones, uh, Territorial Seeds. There's so many good ones out there. So... But you get to who you who you like the best, and uh, and and go with them and be happy with your choices. So, but one of the things I want to talk about in ordering and growing your seeds is some tips for buying seeds online and from some catalogs. And this is a list uh, from my friend uh, Joe Lample. You had him on the show before, Joe from Growing a Greener. Uh, uh, growing a greener world and uh, the Joe Gardner website, but I got these tips from Joe, and these uh, I've read through these, and I've uh, I pretty much most people I think they they take these these tips to heart. So uh, one of the one of the tips uh, before you find out, you know, go to uh, ask the gardeners you trust. If you've uh, you know, you can ask me, you can ask Bobby, you can ask Donna. Uh, Marsha, uh, Sharon, there's so many great gardeners around here. Ask them where they get their seeds from and find out what companies they like. Uh, Kathy uh, with, uh, with the Garden Club, uh, Kathy, Kathy's good at saving her own seeds and but buying seeds. And, and just find out who they like and who they've had success with. And, and then another good place to, to find out about information on even on seeds is our county extension office and like i said it's the one down on k beach you can talk to those folks to get some of that information on what grows best down here and they you know they've actually got a list online from their site publications of plants to grow in south central alaska so that's one of the things too you can do you can call the company and see how you like the way they talk to you. 
you know, do they are they knowledgeable staff uh, to answer a gardening or a planning question, or you know, is it is it just somebody they've got to answer the phone and take an order? Do they really know what they're talking about? Do they really know what they're doing? Another thing to ask them is how long they've been in business. You know, just just because they're new, it doesn't make them a bad company. But the the companies that have been around for a long time must be doing something right like Baker Creek Territorial, Johnny Seeds. A lot of folks like Johnny Seeds. Uh, M.I. Gardner, like I said, Luke at M.I. Gardner. They've got to be doing something right or they wouldn't be staying in business. So so uh, do, do that. Uh, find that. And you can find that information out by, by calling them and talking to them also. So then is it, uh, what, uh, what is it you're looking for? You know, some, uh, are you looking for anything specific? You know, some companies, they, well, they, they specialize in only certain plants and others are more, they're more generalist type, type uh, seed companies. So if you're looking for only certified organic or heirloom, for example, there's companies out there that, that do that. Beware, uh, be aware that there's plenty of specialty companies. Like I said, Baker Creek, they're pretty much, the, as far as I know, all they deal with is heirloom seeds, you know, so... So we're talking about open pollinated seeds, and uh, you know I, I don't know if you folks have ever ever seen some of the some of the um, the seed growing companies. I've watched a couple of videos and seen a couple of still pictures of, for instance, they wanna they wanna keep the the seed varieties true true to their origins. So what they do is a lot of times when the plants start to flower. For instance, the tomatoes, there's some other tomatoes, they cover their field with a protective netting or something to keep any windblown pollen from coming in there, bees, bugs, whatever's going to pollinate the plant, to keep it from being cross-pollinated so they stay true to the history of the plant. And that's one of the neat things that Luke did at MI Gardener uh, 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 several years ago, and I can't remember the variety, I'd have to look it up again, but... He found, you know, one of the neat things to do is to take uh, old seed packets and people make wall hangings out of them, you know. And he found one at a, they were traveling, found one at a flea market or something. And it had a pack of an old tomato seed, some tomatoes that hadn't been grown for over 100 years or sold for over 100 years. Well, he took those 100 plus year old tomato seeds, he planted them, and I think he got, you know, out of all the seeds that were in, I think there was only 10 or 15 seeds in this packet. And he got, I think, maybe three of them, two, three, four of them to germinate and grow. Well, he since then has propagated those tomatoes and he's now selling the seed and he's protecting them. Well, so a hundred plus year old tomato that he got to grow He's propagating those, and now he's brought those back to the market. And like I said, I can't remember the name of You'd actually have to look on the uh, M.I. Gardner website uh, or look at their YouTube, and you can you can actually watch one of his YouTubes on when he started those seeds and, and the, the series of, of how they're growing. And then another big one, and i tell you what, this is tough on me and this is tough on everybody, and that is when you're buying your seeds, don't overbuy. Oh, my gosh. This is such a common mistake. It's so easy to be sucked into all those pretty pictures. And before you know it, 
you've purchased more seeds. You could feed the entire Kenai Peninsula on the number of seeds you've <laughs> that you have ordered. My goodness, and it's a, it's just a, it's just amazing. But it is so hard, you know. You buy you buy something to test it out. And there's 200 seeds in the pack, but you're only going to grow four plants. You know, it's just crazy sometimes. So, yeah, that's a big one, especially for a lot of you new gardeners. It is so enticing to buy too much. You know, I will, you know, I mention her name all the time, but, you know, one of the things that's really neat that Bobby Jackson does is she keeps her seeds in a folder. And she knows, like, she's been working this year through the winter. She looks and sees what worked for her last year. It's going to work this year, and she's got these real neat uh, binders with with pockets in the sheets, and she puts that seed packet down in there, and then she has the directions on what she did with that plant and how well it grew. Now, Bobby's in uh, in uh, business, you know, so she's she's really wants to be sure she's successful. So that's what she does, and I've looked in her binders before, and it's just a great idea. It's just a wonderful idea to do that. So that's a big one, though. Don't over, don't overbuy, and it is, trust me, it is easy, easy to do. And then another one is, how much does it cost to ship those seeds up here to Alaska? You know, one of the things that uh, if you folks have noticed, you know, every year, every year, the big box stores have have their seed displays, burpee, uh Maybe Denali seeds. I'm not sure if they really do Denali seeds. Burt's something. There's all sorts of varieties. But Baker Creek also typically has displays up here. Now, I haven't seen one Baker Creek in the big box store, but I've seen them in Alaska Industrial Hardware. And Baker Creek, you know, they're a a pretty reputable company. So if you want Baker Creek seeds, uh, you can get them at, Alaska Industrial Hardware, and I'm not sure about anybody. I, I know that uh, Sarah at Kenai Feed also sells them, but they don't have a super big uh, variety like they do at Alaska Industrial uh, Industrial Hardware. And like I said before, in my gardener, their seed packets are, unless it's a super specialty seed, their seeds are $2 a packet with free shipping to Alaska. And uh, that's uh, that's actually pretty hard to beat. And then probably one of the key ones, and I, I talked to you folks about this before too, is make sure the seeds you're buying, that they're fresh and packaged for this year. If you remember, folks, last year in my garden, I did an experiment where I used out-of-date seeds that I had had. Some of them were a couple years old, and some of them were, were just one year old. And I'll tell you what, my garden didn't do as well because I was convinced that, well, you don't have to spend all this money every year. But if you're not going to get good germination and good growth, I mean, I, I've kind of, and, you know, in talking to some other garden friends and Joe Lample, Joe, Joe Lample, Growing a Greener World, is real big on this. He always buys seeds that are planted for the year you're going to grow. And that is one of the things... Uh, you know, uh, discounted seeds, they can be out of date. They, a lot of them may be viable. It's like I said, the old tomato that Luke grew, but you know, out of, out of those 15 seeds or 10 or 12 seeds, whatever, two or three of them germinated. Well, that's because a lot of them, they're, they're old. And, and, you know, I, I think some of you folks have probably seen some of the, you know, national geographic things or whatever that they find, they find, uh, 
wheat seeds or they find certain plant seeds hidden in the in a cave in the Middle East that are 6,000 years old that they determine and some of them will still sprout you know so there's always a seed that might that might sprout you know and uh, and they've even uh, they've even found seeds that have thawed out of the permafrost have been thawed for tens of thousands of years and some of those they've got them to sprout so but that's a rarity and that's in a controlled environment so make sure you're getting some good fresh seeds and if you've had good luck growing uh, growing uh, older seeds that's fine too there's nothing wrong with giving that a try and then another good one is uh, and most places uh, show this they tell you this is uh, to know about how many seeds are in a pack you know you pay uh, you pay uh, maybe three four five dollars for a pack of seeds especially tomato seeds and there's five seeds in there you know it's not like you're getting 200 tomato seeds now how many tomatoes do you need to grow i don't know it depends on if you're doing it for a business or for yourself but uh, some packs have more seeds than you'll ever need while others and they you know they might surprise you with uh, the small amount of seeds that are in there and uh, it pays to find that information out so you're not disappointed with uh, that you didn't get enough you know there's there's some seed packs you get there's three seeds in them it depends on what the plant is you know five seeds or something like that and a lot of times it's just um, not what you're expecting so pay attention to that and then the and then one of the biggest one too and we'll talk about this again in a little bit uh, in a little bit here after the break is knowing which seeds you order that they're the right seeds for our zone and the conditions you know it's it's easy to assume you'll get results like in the pictures in the catalog or on the picture on the seed packet itself but in reality without just the right conditions boy you could get something totally different on than what than what they're advertising so that's a big one finding out for sure that the right conditions for what you're ordering that they're going to grow now for us in alaska you know uh, like last year uh, in in some years in the past we had folks that got maybe some pumpkins and some corn to grow outdoors in one of the really hot and dry weather well last year oh my gosh i'd be real surprised i don't know if anybody got corn to grow outdoors last year it was a cold wet summer i got mine to grow in my greenhouse but that's what i mean the the conditions is greenhouse is totally different condition than outdoors if you're putting up a high a high tunnel or a low tunnel those are different conditions than growing outdoors so look and see how you're going to grow these before you uh before you for sure order all your seeds and then the next big one is uh don't be afraid to try new things you know it's uh, uh you don't want to there you know you'll always have those tried and true things but every year i try something a little bit new uh, you know, buying three new seed packets isn't going uh, to blow your life savings. Uh, so if you're feeling lucky, give it a try. I mean, I love experimenting, and that's one of the best parts of gardening. You know, nothing ventured, nothing gained, as they say. Give it a, give it a try and see if it works. You might, uh, you might be that gardener that comes up with a, a new method or a, a new plant that does that does well you know give it a, give it a shot you know like for instance i tried growing a number of years back i tried growing those uh cucamelons those little bitty tiny looks like a miniature looks like a miniature uh, watermelon 
they grew wonderful in a hanging baskets in my greenhouse, but I don't know what the problem was as far as I, I had the uh, very the a plant that has male and female flowers on them. I had a fan going. I had everything, and I just I couldn't get fruit to set. And I don't know if it was too cold at night in the green. I don't know. Uh, but I tried those. I'm about ready to try them again to see if I can f- try and figure that out. But anyway, that's a that's another one of those. Uh, that's another one of those to give it a, give it a shot, and don't be don't be afraid to try some new things. Uh, so anyway, I hope that helped you out a little bit on on how to decide to get seeds. You're going to order seeds, uh, but there again, uh, I I still think that everyone everyone there's two books I think everybody ought to have up here, and that is that gardening from seed in Arctic and subarctic areas and then also a, a book that's that's actually getting quite old now and I don't know if they've done a uh, an update or not but it's a 1990 it's a it's a 30 year old book now just called the Alaska Gardener's Handbook by a lady named uh, Lenore Headland I believe she's passed away now I'm not real sure about that but it's got a lot of great information too uh, and it's uh it's more of a regular uh, bound book with uh, color pictures and uh, ideas uh, for growing in Alaska. So these two books, the Alaska Gardener's Handbook and Gardening from Seed in Arctic and Subarctic Areas, I think those are, I think those are two wonderful books to have. And as we've said before, any and every little bit of information you need is at your fingertips with at your computer now. So it's it's just amazing. Uh, the information we have at our fingertips anymore. When we used to have to go to the library, we, well, you folks, you, the young folks don't know the pain that we all went through uh, going to the library and writing term papers in the 70s when there was no computers to do it for you. What else is there good to talk about today? And maybe some of you folks knew this and maybe some of you folks didn't. But did you know that the U.S. Department of Agriculture recently came out with a new plant hardiness zone map. That's right, there's a 2023 version now. And you can go to go to uh, plantharddinesss.ars.usda.gov. Uh, you know, so but if you go in your uh, if you go in your browser and just put USDA 2023 uh, growing map uh, it'll pop up you'll you'll have the links right there uh, but it's got the whole united states and you can actually put in a zip code you know i put in nine nine six nine nine six six nine for soldatna you can put in the zip code and it'll take you right to that location so one of the things i've noticed and if i remember correct the last the last plant hardiness zone map was in 2012 so we're talking uh, now 11 years but uh, according to this, and I looked at an old one, there's been a few changes on it. For instance, we've always said we're, we're 4A and 4B in our area of the peninsula. And, you know, some of the folks that are in lower-lying areas, they might even get down to 3B, you know. But for the most part, the hardiest, hardiness map and everything says we're in... 4A and 4B, and 4A is minus 30 to minus 25 Fahrenheit for uh, for ho- uh, lows, uh, and then minus 25 to 20 for 4B. Well, we'll have to see what happens for the next 
part for the rest of this winter and will we get some bitter cold weather again we we probably will you know if we don't it'll be a, it'll be an oddity but right now we're not anywhere close to an average of 25 to 20 below for 4b so and then with uh, with good snow on the ground, that it's insulating the ground and insulating our, our plants, our perennials that are underground, and especially if you put a little bit of mulch on them. You know, I, I mulch and, uh, and cover my uh, uh, peonies every year with a bunch of straw, and then whenever it snows on them and they're protected well. You know, all, all those plants, I mulched everything real well this year, and... I think they're going to be the well. They'll be just fine, and that's what's weird about some of the things that we that we do that with, like uh, tulips and crocus and some of those uh, those perennials. It doesn't matter if you mulch them or not; they come up. Uh, I mean, it it have to be really a bad bad year for them not to come up. You know, I did nothing with our mint, and the mint comes back with a vengeance every year. You know, so certain things. But on average, when we're looking at this. Like I said, from looking at the old map to the to the newer map, it looks like 4A, the minus 30 to minus 25, that area has gotten smaller and 4B has gotten bigger. You know, and, and like I said, what's neat about this when you look, and this is what's tough for me, folks. Now, the, the blues or the purple or whatever you want to call them, that's pretty easy for me. But when you start getting down into these browns and greens or whatever color they are i'm i got that typical male red green color blindness i don't know what the heck color i'm looking at so i have to try and look at the color and compare it as close as i can to the the scale on the side of the map like for instance i'm looking at the kenai peninsula right now down by homer and i don't know now logically i know what it is but i'll tell you what the color of the map at homer 6A looks the exact same to me as zone 10B. I mean, they look literally identical to me due to my color blindness. So, so I, I've always got to ask my wife what color something is. Uh, so it's really weird. But one of the neat things about this map, for instance, I'll, I'll click in the, and you can zoom in, zoom out. If you want to get literally right in Soldotna, you can. Uh, and you click on this map, and a little box will pop up, and it, and it tells me, it, it tells you that I clicked on a spot by Soldatna, and it's, and it's actually uh, this spot I clicked on. It's down by Pollard, Pollard Loop Road, or no, I'm sorry, Arc Loop Road, which is a uh, pretty uh, the road that goes down past uh, Echo Lake Road. It's an it's area just south of Echo Lake, the Sterling Highway by Echo Lake Road intersection, and it pops up when I go in there at 4A, a little a little box pops up, and it says that it's 4A minus 30 to minus 25, and the count you know they they look at they look at data over the years, and that's how they do it. But 4 4A has gotten smaller in our area, and 4B has gotten bigger. So, like I said, you look at look at these different colors, you know, and then we go down. Uh, let's go down by the spit at Homer, and I'll click on that. And there's 6B down there. 6B is their average is minus 5 to 0. Well, minus 5 to 0 gives you a lot more options for planting some perennials 
than it does even in 4B, minus 30 to minus 25, or minus 25 to minus 20. And the coldest zone we've got is, we've got them all up here, darn near, almost, is uh, zone 1A up on the north slope, up so because it's minus 60 to minus 55. So those folks, those folks have got some challenges as far as growing, uh, not to mention that kind of temperature. Uh, it's just, it's hard to deal with. Uh, but that's another one of those things that, that uh, the gardening from seed in Arctic and subarctic area, there's, there's tricks you can do to still grow down there. Now this is right down by the spit at Homer, and then just uh, going up north like Diamond Ridge Road, you go up there, and they're 6A. You know, they're a little bit higher elevation, and they're minus 10 to minus 5. But still... You look, you look at all that, and it's like, holy smokes, it's just, uh, it's just fantastic. Uh, this information we've got at our fingertips now, you know, most of Kodiak Island is 6B and 6A. Uh, we start looking, uh, oh, and part of Kodiak is 7A. You know, so 7, uh, 7A is 0 to 5, you know, so average temperatures. But yeah, like a, like a lot of places, you can... Uh, you can uh, move the map, you can zoom in, you can zoom out, you can check everywhere you want to, that you want to do, and uh, it's just wonderful. Uh, Juno area is 6A and 6B. It's, uh, it's a wonderful tool. But yeah, just go in your browser and look at uh, USDA uh, plant, plant zone, uh, growing zones, and everything will pop up, but it, it's uh, on the USDA.gov website. And like I said, plug in... Uh, Plug in uh, your your zip code, and uh, it'll 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 give you the skinny on what's going on. You know, like I said, I did nine nine six six nine for Soldatna, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and put in nine nine six one one for Kenai and see what and see what pops up. There it is, uh, Kenai, Alaska. It it takes you in there, and then for Kenai, it says that Kenai Kenai actually has a uh, uh, an area that they said that they're 5a you know so so that's uh that's crazy when you look at that and so that's that's what i mean it's a it's a wonderful tool for us to use in the state of alaska and if you have trouble interpreting in that you know uh, go by and talk to them at uh, at the extension center uh, but they got Marathon Road out there. They got yeah, they got a they got a ton of information out there. And I'm guessing that Kenai and up at uh, up at Nikiski and up at that area, that they are maybe a little uh, a little uh, warmer zone uh, because they're they're close to the water and the water tends to cool things down. I'm sorry, warm things up uh, as opposed to the interior and that uh, typically things. Uh, Weather's usually a little better now. Obviously, it still snows in Kenai and Nikiski, and the wind tends to blow. But yeah, uh, Kenai and Nikiski area is considered to be zone 5A. And in fact, here's one little area. It looks like it might be yeah 5B. Uh, you know, so so. But anyway, this is a new map. Came out in 2023. I think the old one was 20, 2012. And it's a, uh, but it's a great tool. So give that a, give that a try. So anyway, we're we're talking about we're talking about what we're all going to do uh, for this year, and there are there are so many different things to do. And I want to let you folks know, you know, my my last show I did, we did uh, what would be good gifts to give 
the gardener in your life for Christmas. Well, I got a couple of really neat ones. I got, uh, I got, I, I my wife did get, uh, we, we got that candle that smells like tomatoes and then you can plant the candle. It's got tomato seeds in it and then the, the, the thing's supposed to grow, you know, so that's pretty cool. I got, uh, I got some wonderful clips, you know, uh, for instance, if you're growing a vining plant that you can put the round clip around the stem of your plant and then around your stake that helps hold the plant up. Those came from uh, friends in Missouri back in the Midwest that know I like to garden. They sent those to me. I got some wonderful little bamboo uh, plant markers. Uh, that are just really cute as can be that I can write on those those work great and then one of the neater things I got that I thought it's a it's a mat that on all four corners on each side of a corner there's a snap and what you do is you you snap those four corners together and it brings the side of the mat up like little walls and it's big enough you could work at the dining room table, the kitchen table, whatever, and not get dirt and using a newspaper like like you like to do. But all this stuff, all the work you're doing is inside this mat because the little walls stand up on it. And then when you store it, you unsnap the corners and it folds flat and gets out of the way. It's really a cool, I mean a cool little a little unit and i and i just love it so yeah i want to thank our, our some friends uh back in the midwest who sent those up to me and they're just they're just wonderful i think i think it was a, a some great gifts and i hope hope you guys got some good some good gifts too for christmas uh, especially if you wanted them for gardening so anyway we are to, we are kind of getting into like i said it's time to really start thinking about what you're going to do this year for your garden and there's still plenty of time but one of the things i i think uh, most everyone learns excuse me most everyone learns is if you don't get your order in early enough sometimes a particular seed you might want they're sold out you know like that like that tomato that old hundred plus year old heirloom tomato that uh, luke at mi gardener sells historically now those uh, now they he ought to have way more seeds now but historically those have sold out pretty quick so uh if you're wanting something like that uh it's something to think about now there again i'm gonna i'm gonna bring up the fact when you look at what you're ordering and uh this is another one i i kind of learned from from bobby jackson is i typically don't order uh, you know some tomatoes and i think this early one that luke sells it's like a hundred day tomato well, I don't grow any of those. Everything I grow, I try to I try to pick tomatoes that absolutely are at least a 70 day to maturity, or or shorter, uh, maybe 75 days. But I prefer to go 70 and shorter days for maturity to start harvesting. And uh, last last year, as most people are aware, unless you had just had a good tight heated greenhouse that was tough i had to i even had a tough time in my greenhouse uh, with my tomatoes last year i mean it was cold last year it got really cold at night and if i remember what is it uh, some of you folks remember but is it like 52 or 54 degrees if it gets that the tomatoes have trouble setting fruit when it's uh, when it's that cool and, and a couple years ago i uh, i planted an, an arctic style from russia 
outdoors to see how well they do. Well, the plants themselves grew okay, and the they flowered, but I'll tell you what, they never did set fruit. I hand fertilized them. I went through, I even saw the, you know, if you're, if you're fertilizing uh, yourself, either shaking the plant, or I've told you before, I like to, to touch the blooms with a, with an old cheap couple dollar kids uh, electric toothbrush. And when you touch that plant, you'll see that pollen poof out of that plant. I saw pollen poofing out. They absolutely wouldn't set fruit. So is it something I did or is it something the weather? I think it was the weather. I really do uh, because they were outside. They just weren't getting warm enough, but it was an experiment. And like I said, experimenting is fun to do. So uh, maybe next time I do it, I'll try doing the exact same thing, but I will maybe put them in a low tunnel and see if they will, if they will uh, set fruit being in a low tunnel. But when it's summertime and it, some nights we get down literally in the 40s it's going to be 40 and a little low tunnel even too especially uh how i garden in uh, in my raised beds uh, made out of old uh, garage door panels i mean it's going to be it's going to be tough it's going to be tough so but that's another one of the things i do is i uh, that uh, that i didn't mention before when you're looking at seeds is looking at the day look at the days to maturity because like i said you there's certain things you grow i mean golly have 110 115 120 days to maturity and uh, some of those things that typically have long maturity for instance are brussels sprouts and you really got to get them going early in the season if you want to get them out there and get some brussels sprouts and uh, brussels sprouts is one of those things that folks uh, locally they they tend to either grow or not grow. So I think that has uh, maybe our, uh, some of our microclimates around here. Some, some climates maybe they get a little bit better. Some maybe they're, they're, uh, they're not getting too cold. But uh, Brussels sprouts is another one of those plants that can handle a frost, and they keep going. In fact, they're, they're, uh, they're better when it does frost like a, like a lot of plants. And, and I think I mentioned this before, but uh, just to let you folks know, one of the reasons that some of our plants get better and taste a little sweeter when it gets cold is what the plant does is whenever it starts to get cold, it takes some of that moisture it's got down in its root system and it runs that moisture up into the plant. Well, that that moisture has uh, more sugar in it. And what that sugar does is that increases the freezing point of the liquid inside the plant. So that's how they keep from freezing you know it can be uh, 30 degrees out or 28 degrees out and inside the plant it's warmer than that it's not necessarily warmer than that it's just that it's just that 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 liquid that goes up into the plant protects it from freezing so now there's a certain point to that you know you can't let stuff sit out there in zero degrees and have it not freeze but you know it's just uh, at a different version it's why salt water doesn't freeze salt water obviously uh, it takes a lot colder temperatures to freeze salt water well it's kind of the same principle with with the sugar in the plants but that's why they get it's not a fallacy that's why they really truly get sweeter if you let certain plants go through a, a frost a couple of times that can, that are made to survive that and they and they taste better so anyway uh and then one other thing that, that uh, some folks ought to do here, especially through the winter, that can, that can help your garden. And uh, one of our old uh, garden friends who lives down Funny River, uh, who uh, has been on the show with me before, and uh, 
who uh, started uh, the Funny River Garden Club out there a number of years back, is uh, save some of your fireplace ashes for your garden, you know, and save them a little bit. Uh, and one of the things Sharon has said she did in years past is she takes her fireplace, wood stove ashes or whatever, and she spreads them out in the spring. She spreads them out on top of the snow in her garden. Well, that those dark ashes help the snow melt faster, and then it puts potash back into your soil. So simply saving back some of the ashes uh, or wood stove from your fireplace or wood stove uh, you'll grow bigger and better plants than ever. Uh, the, uh, you, and you got to watch this a little bit, but we're typically uh, acidic soils up here. Uh, that'll help raise the pH level in your uh, soils. And remember, there's some, some plants that, that like acidic soils. Uh, for instance, like potatoes. Potatoes like a little bit of acidic soil. But one of the things I do is I don't have a fireplace or a wood stove at our house, but what I like to do is I like to, you know, if I'm burning brush, as long as I don't have any any uh, treated wood or anything like that in my brush pile, which you're not supposed to be burning anyway, um, if I'm burning just plain old wood, I'll save some of those ashes, and I'll put a cup, maybe a cup and a half of potash into the soil with some of my plants, especially tomato plants. Uh, they like that extra potash, uh, and it... Uh, it keeps uh, can help with blossom end rot. Uh, there's there's numerous things. So uh, when I lived back in the Midwest, oh gosh, back in the, my big garden I had back in the 70s, I did have wood stoves back then. And now, granted, we didn't get the snow like we did up here. But one of the things I did, I never threw my wood ash away. And I had a really big garden, like like six, 60 feet by a thousand a thousand feet, 60 feet by a hundred feet garden, and. 120 feet thereabouts. It was a big garden. I always took my wood ash and I just walked out in my garden and just spread it all over the entire garden. Everything. Uh, there's calcium in there, uh, in those wood ashes. And it, uh, it, it works, you know. Uh, so anyway, uh, you know, cause blossom in rot, you know, that's one of those things that's, uh, especially a tomato and other plants that, uh, they're calcium deficient. So, and that's another little trick I, I read many years ago. I haven't done it yet, but, uh, you know, I, I ought to give it a try is some folks advocate throwing a Tums and acid in the soil whenever you plant your tomatoes because they're calcium. And, you know, you throw that in there and uh, your plant's getting calcium. So anyway, if you're going to do that, though, and if you're going to, if you're going to put wood ash in your compost pile, uh, don't. Don't make your compost pile much more than about much more than about twenty percent wood ash. Uh, be real careful how much how much you put in there. Uh, you just you just want it uh, a little bit in there. Uh, you don't want to overdo it. And like I said, that's one of those things where you could potentially raise your pH up a little bit higher than you really when you really want to. But whenever whenever you put wood ash in that soil. It's also a great time when you're doing that. You can add worm castings and coffee grounds, a little compost, some of your eggshells. There's your calcium. And one of the things I do with my eggshells is I've got an old coffee grinder that one of the one of the blades broke off of a number of years ago. Well, I've got that out in my greenhouse, and I save our eggshells. 
and it still works fine with one blade, but that's what I grind my eggshells with, and I grind them into a, basically a powder. And I keep an old plastic uh, ice cream container that I, that I keep these in, and then when I'm planting something like that, I can just throw a scoop in with them. And that helps to, uh, that obviously helps to build some calcium in there because the more you can, can powder it and grind it up, the faster it can break down to, be ac uh, to access for your plants. You know, you throw whole eggshells in there, and they're not going to do much. It's going to take them forever to break down to make the calcium accessible to the plants. So anyway, but one and one other little tip that I did forget to mention when I was talking about the new growing zones is uh, you guys, uh, you guys obviously know who Jeff Lowenfels is in Anchorage. Well, uh, Jeff wrote a wonderful article here in December on the changing zone map. And uh, it's an uh, ADN. It's a newspaper article up there. And I would recommend you go online and read that and Actually, uh, you know, Jeff is Jeff is so knowledgeable in this whole endeavor of gardening. Uh, so anyway, uh, that's uh, that's definitely what I'd be doing. And uh, but go to yeah, go to ADN and read read that article by Jeff. And I think you'll be surprised to learn just how wonderful uh, it is to get a new updated map and some good explanation by uh, by Jeff on the changes that we've seen in Alaska. And uh well oh holy el smoly folks. I gotta tell you, it's just amazing how fast his time goes. Uh I hope today I hope you enjoyed today's show. Uh we got a little about a minute and three quarters left and uh I hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, get your orders in be sitting there thinking about do your planning do your garden planning and don't forget that on monday at nine o'clock myself and david david's the vice president of the central peninsula garden club will be down at mel's there in the copper center and if you want to come by and just have a cup of coffee with us and let us know what you we'd love to hear from you and uh, to see what you're doing and uh let us know what you're going to do. Let us know what you're going to plant. Let us know if you know what zone you live in and, and uh, your successes, your failures, and uh, maybe some tricks that you know. And, um, and there again, I want to let all you folks know I, I enjoy doing this show so much. But I'll tell you, if any of you folks would love, I would love to have you come on the show with me. I mean, I'd love to have, uh, I'd love to have some of our local gardeners on just to talk about uh, just to talk about what they do, uh, what you do in your garden. Like I said, what, what kind of tricks do you do? Do you have a simple garden? Do you have a huge garden? What, what do you have going on? So, so anyway, uh, thanks again for listening today. I hope you, hope you enjoyed this show. Mel's at 9 o'clock, me and David, a cup of coffee and some garden chat. And uh, I hope, uh, hope to see you next time. See you in a month. Uh, this is listener-supported public radio for the Central Kenai Peninsula, KDLL 91.9 FM, Kenai Soldatna, 